pray with me. Seated, seated in the pews and online, pray with me. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. We've spent the last year and a half together, soaked in the liturgy for morning prayer. And each week, one of my favorite parts is our reading of the Venite, read as the words of Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. This one and the many other ancient Hebrew songs and prayers help us to see that God responds to us in our emotional highs and lows. God responds to us in crisis. In the midst of a storm-tossed world, they help us see who God is. The sea is his, for he made it. When we read those words together, the little God girl in me bows down. In the spirit, I kneel in reverence to the bigness of this great God. In those moments, I imagine the expanse and power of a great body of water and how very small and vulnerable I am. I immerse myself in the meaning and majesty of the text and find myself at a loss for words. With each reading, I am both saved and silenced, caught in the space of all that is unsayable. I am stilled, hushed by the awe of such power. The biblical text often uses the command of nature to speak of the power of the Holy One. Be it the stilling of waves, the calming of wind, or the crumbling of the earth, the text helps us imagine the greatness of God. It helps us connect with the spaces between words where the unknowable is known and the dream of what could be steeps our hearts in what is. Listen in as God breaks it down for Job in our reading from the Old Testament today. Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when it made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther, and here, shall your proud waves be stopped. Before this kind of power, Job has no words. He is silenced as am I. Well, that same power belongs to Jesus. Power, Mark's gospel wants us to know Jesus has it. He wants us to know this Jesus and who he is. Mark tells of the anointed one, the Messiah, the one whose coming declares the nearness of the kingdom of God. That this kind of power walks among us, he says, is good news. And it is good. Because of it, so many will be transformed. Throughout Mark's gospel, Jesus confronts unclean spirits. He heals and delivers by rebuking and commanding them. Jesus casts and directs them to cease their activity. This kind of power is bold and confrontational. It is political. This kind of power can save our world. 
This is good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. Displayed through teaching, preaching, and wondrous acts of supernatural ability, Jesus exhibits an agency and sovereignty unlike anything witnessed before. Jesus affirms and confirms his message by the power that accompanies it. But he doesn't want us to simply rest in it. Jesus wants us to be moved by it, to be transformed by it, to be changed, to be empowered. Mark's gospel introduces us to this unprecedented authority and rather pointedly asks if we'll trust it. Jesus expresses this authority most often in words, using language, words that lead to further action, a transformed state or atmosphere. Jesus displays great acts of power, what we often call miracles. The scene in the boat is one such example of Jesus's performative speech acts. In this scene, Jesus models for the disciples how to handle unexpected chaos, unseen events, even our ordinary everyday catastrophes. Jesus speaks and the elements respond. The wind ceases, on the sea there is a great and new sense of calm. Peace, be still. Other readings may say differently, but I hear Jesus say these words, not whispered low, but with a little bass in his voice. The great calm comes only after Jesus tells the demon attacking them to shut up and be silent. Jesus is annoyed and a bit frustrated and his response tells us this is so. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith, he asks. Do you not know that I've given this same power to you? This gaggle of unsettled disciples, the whole messy, troubled, imperfect lot of them, and that includes us, right? They respond in awe and wonder as they make their way, however slowly, toward the truth of who Jesus is, maybe even who they are in him. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Beyond that question is the truth that a bit of that power is their own. They don't get it yet, but it is imperative that they do. Jesus' invitation is and has always been to a collaborative effort where we partner with him in the remaking of the world and the time for that is now. The disciples are being groomed to share the good news and to practice the same power and authority over anything that would stand in the way of the coming kingdom. This too is true for us. On the way, in the middle of their messianic hopes, the present and future de- and reconstructing of the institutions of the ancient world, because they existed there too, Somewhere on the waters between the way things were and the way things will be are words, so many words, clear, intentional, decisive words. And it's there on the sea that the disciples witness their raw and unabashed power. 
So I want to talk to you today about the power of words, how we receive them and withhold them, the significance of what we do with them. Juneteenth is the holiday commemorating the end of slavery. It marks the day enslaved people in Galveston, Texas learned they were free. Still under Confederate control, they received this information, these words of liberation, more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Union troops would announce that by executive decree, 250,000 enslaved black people in the state would be free. The news of freedom, these words, would transform their individual lives and the little corner of the world they inhabited, a corner of the world that wasn't ready for the shift that comes with a people empowered. Now, I don't connect the unknowing of the disciples with the unknowing of the enslaved but I do think and link them as stories of power. One tells a story of slow learning, a story of those who could taste the freedom of such power if they just opened their mouths. The other, a story of those who longed for power, but were blind to its nearness, trapped in an abyss they did not create. Today, Juneteenth marks for Texans, for all descendants of the formerly enslaved, and now as a federal holiday for all Americans, the reminder of the long walk toward the dream of absolute equality, of personal rights, along with the right to own property. It meant paid labor and voting rights. It meant justice, the pursuit of it anyway. The hope for Jesus is that a connection will be made and that the tapping into this sense of transformative encounter and power will make them free. The disciples never make this connection, not in this portion of the text anyway. Any semblance of connection is shared as they sit in awe, stilled by the question of just who Jesus is. And for the formerly enslaved, it is short-lived. Their newfound power would and continues to be contested. None of this is what I'd call finished work. Freedom, the old folks know, is a journey. For different reasons, they, the disciples, the enslaved in Galveston, struggle to get and keep it. One group suffered the danger of not recognizing and wielding God-given power. The other suffers the damage done to victims by a power unchecked. Here's what I'm learning. We must wield with grace any power granted to us. A disordered and frantic response to the struggles of our time diminishes our role in the work of recovery and it diminishes our witness. We are complicit when we don't use our voices or send forth the power of our words to speak against the evils of our time as Jesus did. It's time to rebuild the institutions and systems that attempt to control the story, for humanity to embrace a shared sense of power that allows the flourishing of all creation. It's time to tell and retell, to tell and talk about history as it happened, 
to discard the books that left these stories out and to recover the truth, to abandon the tendency towards selective memory, one that seeks to shelve, erase, or otherwise forget the contributions and history of an entire people. We must resist in real time any attempts to rewrite facts. We must use our voices to destroy attempts that make it harder for the marginalized to exercise their fundamental rights, to lift their voices, to use their power. The power we have today comes from the same source entrusted to Christ from God, God's self. This ancient power transcends time and is greater than any kingdom or authority. It is the ancient wisdom and truth of God's power that envelops a faithfully embodied and believing church, and that is what we want to be. We as believers are filled, covered, embraced, loved through the fulfillment of a powerful promise, a promise of power that works one that is always with us. Beyond what we see or feel, we have to trust the working of this great strength on our behalf. We have to position ourselves to be conduits for that power. And that begins with words. The then God says, and it was so. The let there be's. The same kind of performative speech Jesus employs in today's gospel reading when he says, peace be still. When we hear truth today, when we connect for a moment with the power of a truth-filled word, a word spoken in truth against evil, we know it as holy and filled with power. Connecting to this power tells us even when we're afraid or doubt, even when we feel small, that as long as we hold on, don't give up, don't cave in or quit, we belong to and are covered by it. We can use it. The fullness of any kind of redemption takes time. In the interim, God uses the magic of words. The brilliance of this masterpiece is in the weaving of each sacred chapter, but it all starts with words. When the world is shaking and nothing stands, we look to Jesus, the truth-telling wordsmith who lights the fire for a new and greater awakening, who eases our fears when we're faced with anxiety and carves out pathways for our stories to emerge, to get critical information as needed, the Jesus who makes a way out of no way. Friends, we need believers to continue the work of speaking about what they've seen and heard. We need them to do that work with and for us. We need to do that work together. As we lean in and remember today's gospel reading in our quest to be more like Jesus, I'm listening not only for what Jesus says, but I'm paying attention to what he does. Jesus speaks to the chaos around him. He commands it to cease and expects his word to accomplish that which it set out to perform. In this and in so many ways, Jesus tells us 
to not be afraid that God is bigger than anything we fear or face. May that same power, the power of God be with us. And may we have faith to believe it, knowing that there is no greater power, no holier resistance than like Jesus, using our words and using them for good. Amen.